Well, I am rather busy. Now he's going to move like right along to McGregor. That's his whole life. You know. So just like Marshall, I have taken all of my mother's Xanax. Good for you. This should be a very interesting podcast. All right. So it's, 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 it's Anna and Nicole Smith time here on Trek About. That is a reference that a lot of people may not get. Mm, I never liked her. So these two episodes were interesting. If they were not completely successful, I think that that is probably left up to season two to take care of. Yeah, I, I, I feel like as a whole, the season was a little less a little more loosely structured than it may maybe could have been. Yes. Obviously these two episodes, and again, these are two episodes which are very strongly linked through. Um, they represent Tara's hospitalization. Um, well, not hospitalization, her time in this clinic and this treatments, whatever, whatever uh, the proper term is, her time in the center. Um, the loony bin. The, <laughs> um, the proper term is booby hatch, but that's different, you know. Um, and, we, it, it, the climax of this season is supposed to be this confrontation with Trip Johansson. I don't necessarily feel like it was built quite as like it almost comes in practice like an afterthought. But at well, the same time, I think one of the it's part of the show's realism in a way that just like the show has gone out of its way to make it clear that you know DID is not what. It is supposed. To, it sounds like from a movie. It's not a fun, wacky thing. It's a. It's something that's, you know, actually a serious condition. And I think this episode is this. The season ends. It's not like confronting. You know, the man who raped her is going to be the breakthrough that makes everything okay for. It's not like this is. You know, we're not dealing with a Freudian conception of. The psyche where there is there is this trauma, and when this trauma is understood and repaired, then the person automatically recovers. This isn't – not only do we find out that the trauma was a lot older even than you know her assault, but again, there is the sense that finding out what that initial kind of catalyst is isn't going to fix everything. Well, I I agree and disagree with you. I think that, that what I like about these two episodes in particular is that – scene with with Tripp and Tara. Oh, and it's, I mean, and, it's very well done. And his wife, because I think that the key word for the entire season, and I, I think for the whole show in general, is is realism. And it yeah. is going for a certain type of realism that is not predicated on standard plot structure, but is instead predicated on getting real emotional reactions out of these characters mm. in in sort of what they would do in these situations. You know, if this is not a completely accurate representation of DID and I don't have any reason to believe that it is, it still really does come down to these characters are having genuine emotional reactions to what mm. is going on around them. And I think that that is key to the end of the episode, the the second one, where they have this confrontation scene, which is not really a confrontation, not even really a discussion. Tara doesn't talk in it very much. And no, I think she frames it as I I don't remember the incident. I want. Well, you would you would you would think that she would have questions. You would think that she would want to discuss exactly what happened because the show hasn't even really gone into exactly who Trip is. The implication is that he was really no one to her. He was dating her roommate, so she, you know, he says he didn't really know Tara. She was very quiet 
which is not really the terror that we have come to know. So that's interesting in and of itself. And especially given that he knows there is T is a little funny too, but... The- well, he does and he doesn't. But I think that, that the the nice part about that scene in particular, you know, aside from his wife, who was wonderful in her own bizarre way, bringing cookies, for example, which is a wonderful... Lemon, lavender, and note. chocolate chip, and sun tea. Now, that was my question. Were they lemon and lavender yes. cookies, or were they lemon lavender cookies? Lemon lavender cookies. That doesn't sound good. I no. don't like lavender, so... Uh, but but I think that, that, you know, to finish my point, I think that what it really comes down to is that was the point of the scene, is that this is not a movie. This is not a television show, even though it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not going to be the moment of breakthrough. You know, Trip is not going to fall on his sword and apologize for sexually assaulting Tara and for creating her disasso- yeah. dissociative identity disorder. And suddenly Tara is going to go, oh, everything is fixed now. I'm integrated. And it's also interesting that there is a character in this episode which is integrated, which seems to be the holy grail of DID, but then she says, well, this is not the first time I've been integrated. It's talked about so, almost like remission. Yeah, and so the, the the offhanded comment that Tripp makes at the very end where he just reveals that he knew Tara as T and that T existed before this trauma that she thought yeah. was the precipitating event of her DID is a nice way to catapult us into season two. But it's also a nice way to get a genuine emotional reaction out of Tara in a moment when we were expecting some sort of definitive resolution and yeah. didn't get it. Well, actually, the, uh, this conversation right now is bringing up a fairly disturbing implication that if he only really knew her as T and uh, he said she was quiet, what if T's personality changed after the assault as well? That that could like, certainly be. What if this is, you know, what if her... T is very party, very, you know, wild, very – what if that is a reaction to what happened with Trip? that it, – it certainly, I wonder. It certainly could be, yeah. And it, it also does seem to answer the question of whether or not T has aged up with Tara's yeah. children. Now, T existed before her children and also that T was always a teenager. Yes. Now, I, I mean the other thing that I really like about the end of, 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 of the second episode, Miracle, is that – um, this is the quickest sort of transitions we get between her oh, alters yes. before. You know, she becomes T very quickly, then she becomes Buck for a minute, and then she becomes Alice. And it is a very nice transition over into all three of those characters. It does kind of indicate, of course, that um, they're in differing degrees of control, quote unquote. Yeah, it almost think. it comes off as T. You know, T comes out, and you know she's singing, and then Buck, you know, wants to kick this guy's ass, and then finally Alice comes and is like, "All right, kids." You know, mom's home. I'm going to deal with this, you know. Yeah, exactly. And I I think it works really well. And we, you know, I mean, we see Alice kind of scolding T at this at at one point. So it it is, again, Alice seems to have a little more contact with the others uh, than the others have with each other. Each other. Obviously, this is very (laughs) confusing to talk about. But, you know, yeah, Alice seems that she does interact with everybody. Yeah, and I think that well, the 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 visual metaphor of that, of course, at the end of the episode, at the end mm-hmm. of, of of Snow, is that they're bowling and it's Tara, it's T, it's Alice, it's Buck, and it's Gimme, yeah. right? All out as a visual metaphor for Tara is still very much yes. uh, disassociated; she is not integrated in any way, and that sh- this is something that she is going to have to deal with in the second season. 
Now, I guess the question is like, you know, and you know, we can talk about about Snow as well because they, again, they are two very yes. um, closely related episodes, and so I think it's difficult to to talk about them as individual episodes. But the 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 thing that really gets to me about um, the entire season of the show, you know, because it is only twelve episodes, is I think that the the season started out very strongly with a very good identity. I don't think that the show ever really. The quality of the writing never flagged. No. I like the show a lot. I like the characters a lot. I like the way that the show treats them. But I feel like at least sort of halfway through the season, a lot of the nice structural elements of the episodes kind of went away. And they did become much more just collections of shit that's happening. Yeah. And I don't like that kind of storytelling in television. So, And I think, you know, like I said last week or the week before, this could be some sort of sly metaphor for Tara's descent into further disassociation or something, but I, I don't think it's it a is. fine metaphor and a terrible structure. R- right. <laughs> and also I, I don't think that's what they were doing. No, you know, I think that this was just how television was being made at this point. So it, it is a little different, but you know, st- I guess stepping aside from, from Tara for a minute, none of the plot lines are, are really resolved no i mean i i I, looking through my notes i realized that the kate storyline ends with her leaving you know saying oh i'll get you that sierra mist and you know just her getting the fuck out of there which is the right thing to do but that's that's, yeah because yeah (laughs) gene is super creepy and i don't necessarily think he has the capacity for violence but who knows no uh you know no matter what like I, I I guess I love that he seems to think that her going to HR was a romantic comedy move designed to, you know, get his attention. Like, but that that's how Gene thinks. Like, he's not going to see her doing something reasonable and, you know, to get right. to get him fired because he needs to face consequences for what, you know, that's, you know, he thinks that she's just trying to send him a message like and he and he's super turned on by it. <laughs> well, I guess my, my my question for you is, is what do you think the point of, of the whole Kate Barnaby's gene storyline was that a lot of that was, I think, I, again, I think a great deal of that was Kate realizing the the kind of depths of her own youthful ignorance in a lot of ways. Yeah, her naivete, yeah. Kate, in a way, has leveled up. She's gone from being, you know, the coolest person in her house to now she's a little bit more in the real world, you know. Mm -hmm. She's in the working world. She's dealing with, you know, heavy corporate. She thinks that if she goes into, you know, Barnaby's HQ and says, you know, well, you sexually harassed me. Give me money, you know. uh, That's actually going to happen. It's going to work, yeah. Um, Now, to be clear, the way that the Barnaby's, you know, HR and legal department handles this is not appropriate. It's horrible. At you know, it, at, I think this is op- but this is opening our eyes into realizing okay, this is actually how corporate America actually works. You know, this is what you know my situation is actually going to be. You yeah, know, I sh- she has all of these great you know pithy things about dating that she learned from reading you know her aunt's toilet material <laughs> and from reading you know girly you know girls ma- women's magazines and yeah, girly magazines are very different from yeah. girls magazines. <laughs> Um, 17 and Cosmo, you know, she thinks that, you know, because she's read a few things, she knows everything and she's realizing she needs to grow up a bit. You know, she's going to be in situations that may even be worse and she actually has to, you know, her life experience is now starting to match up to her intelligence. 
a little bit, yeah. I mean, I think that that all of that is right, and this is really a storyline that is showing exactly how naive she is and how much she is not equipped to deal with this stuff. And I think there, and I, I, I think there is a degree to which this is Diablo Cody wanting to write something about sexual harassment in you know a corporate restaurant type of situation, which does happen, which is well, really fucking difficult to actually get it get get you know justice through well right and i think that you know in the episode in the first episode snow where where kate goes to to hr and has her initial meeting with yeah. that woman and, and basically she says i don't know people fuck in restaurants this is why the people restaurant work in industry i think is a hotbed of yeah and you're kind of like you know on the one hand i was like horrified by it and then on the other hand i'm like yeah it's, it's i guess I, so as somebody who does work in restaurants like you know, you you need to be okay with people saying fuck all the time. You need to be okay with people making sexual – there are lines that, you know, will be too far, but that line is a lot further in that particular industry than it is in a lot of – and also, I mean, things – I hate to say they're – you know, to give them credit where it's due, but right now they do have her word against his that, you know, she was, you know, and – Although they do fire him, so they do fire him, which is the say, yeah they can't give her money because this is, she doesn't have a legal case. It and is not, true, and, but. and and let's be clear. I mean, the episodes don't say this outright, but the implication is that these people know who Gene is. Yeah, you know, he seems to think it's because he's got a lot of buddies at corporate, and I that's Gene's naivete as yes, well. I true. mean, I think that what Gene is really seeing there is that corporate knows about him because a lot of other teenage mm. girls have gone there, or at least two or three of them to file complaints against him as well. And let's also make it clear that Gene is not unfortunately the other only manager who's having complaints about him. I mean this the yeah. the way the first woman especially deals with Kate is somebody who this is her sixth meeting like this today. And oh she yeah. just wants to get the hell on to lunch, you know? Her her title is senior VP of managers harassing teenagers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you know. uh, uh, no, like she's she's just bored and you know she has that one really the one moment where she actually is human that I really like is when I don't remember what is it is Kate says, but she's like, oh, you know, this is bullshit or Barney bees, you know, whatever. And she apologizes and, you know, the woman's like, oh, I hear much worse, you know. That's a nice little human moment, but for the most part, like, she's gone through – she probably is expecting, you know, she, they, she really doesn't have that much ability to do anything about the situation and she's just waiting for Kate to flip out on her like so many other people do. Yeah, yeah, That's... yeah, and I think to 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 Kate's credit, she never does that. I think no. She's, well, she's defeated. I think that she. I mean, again, you know, you have to link this back to to the sort of household that they grew up in. Yeah, Kate knows that causing a scene is going to make hurt. things worse. Yeah, you know, she is not T, right? No, like, T in this situation would have made a heart a huge scene, and, and that's that is one of the you know Kate. Kate again, Kate is young. She is certainly naive, but she's very controlled. Very much. Yeah. Again, once the. Once her experience matches her intelligence and wisdom, once that all kind of aligns and the show makes it very clear that she just needs to, you know, give it a couple more years, like, she's going to get a hell of a lot done. She's just kind of now learning what her obstacles are. Well, and let's link this to to the other big storyline of these two episodes, you know, Marshall dealing yeah. with, with burning down the shed and, and, uh, and not wanting to talk to Tara. Um, you know, Kate is saying that, well, essentially her alters are coming out because the, the, they're doing things that Tara cannot do for herself. Yeah. They're protecting her or, or her, who she loves in these situations. 
And what that makes me realize is that Kate is keeping this Barnaby stuff from her parents. I think primarily because of that reason. Because she doesn't want to invite Tara's alters into this situation. She's already seen Buck beat the shit out of an ex of hers. Like, if Buck finds out about Gene, Gene's going to be in traction. Yeah, like, Kate and Marshall are handling their maturation into being young adults in this kind of situation in very different ways. Yeah. Kate is hiding it from her parents. Kate doesn't want to invite the chaos into her life. Kate wants to keep that away from her entirely, whereas Marshall is is confronting it in a very real and dramatic way by burning down T shed. Mm-hmm. You know, he is drawing a line in the sand and yeah. saying, no, fuck you. I, you, this was not right. I don't care if you have a disease. I don't care if you were yeah. not really yourself. This is still not right. I don't want to talk to you. All of these kind of things. Whereas they're, they're handling it very differently. Essentially. Yeah. 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 I'm, I, I want to talk a little, I'm not sure what I have to say about it, but I do want to deal with, Kate's line about, you know, well, well, she says, you know, he's just a bi-curious guy who's trying to, you know, get a little thrill. He's never going to love you. He's going to marry a woman, you know, all of that. And especially given Jason's, you know, I talked to my dad and, you know, just you're going to be great, you know, good job, you know, and he hugs him and walks away. Like, obviously, Jason is doing a lot of prayer right now in his lifetime. Um, And... Again, we 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 weren't really. Jason is young enough that it's still amb- it can still be very ambiguous what his sexuality is. Whether he is quote unquote genuinely attracted to guys, just attracted to Marshall. Whether he's using Marsh, you know, whether he and Marshall are figuring that out together, you know, whatever yeah, that yeah, yeah. is. Um, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't know if I disagree with Kate's diagnosis of the situation, but at the same time. That's really the only diagnosis of the situation that's going to get – that I think she feels is going to get Marshall moving on from this. I mean Marshall has enough shit to deal with. The Somebody who is let, – let's let's be clear. Marshall is fairly sure of his sexu- sexuality. Oh, yeah. He, do, he has stopped questioning it, questioning it. I mean I as a 33-year-old man don't want to date somebody who is still not 100% sure just because it's like I've gone through that. I'm at a very different place. I think part of Kate's point is that, you know, Marshall, you know exactly who you are. This kid doesn't. You're not going to be okay. Then again, I mean, you do have to wonder, I mean, you know, how many openly gay kids are there in the school for Marshall to date? That's the other thing. And And also, you know, I mean, if there's any time in your life to, uh, you know, fall in love with a bicurious boy, it's probably when you're 14. No, and I I guess I want to make it clear that, you know, Marshall, all of the angst that Marshall goes through in this relationship, you've gone through it, I've gone through it, every, most of the gay guys I know have had some, you know, you know, have had an ambiguous situation with somebody which was heartbreaking and terrible. I never have. Well, good for you. Um... No, we all have different heartaches that we do as teenagers, and yes, you know, this is really fucked up, and this is shed-burning worthy to a 14-year-old Marshall. This is going to be the kind of thing that at 30, he's going to be like, what the fuck did I do you know, over that guy? Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's but, the thing. I mean, Marshall is still dealing with um, with, and, his, with, his, uh, with his emotions. And I guess, I guess that's how I also think about Kate's... Well, he's going to get married. He's never going to love you. Well, 
you're 14 and 16. Like, why do you give a shit about, you know, getting married? Like, have fun, boys. You know? Well, I think her point is but, she doesn't say you're, he's never going to marry you. I no. Think she says he's going to marry a woman. Yeah. And I think her diagnosis of the situation is probably correct. You know, yeah. I think that. You know, I don't want to. I don't know that I want to get into a long discussion about you know the the, the social ramifications and, and conditioning of bisexuality, but we certainly can if anybody is interested in that. And if you well, know, you, if you've listened to our podcasting for a long <laughs> time, you know that's the sort of thing that we do sometimes. But I do think that you know, you know, number one, bisexuality is real, and I don't want to dismiss it. I also think that you know there is, there are degrees to which. Um, bisexuality is is kind of you know percentaged out as it were, and so there are certainly yeah. you know men out there that are attracted to men but don't really care to date them or don't really have romantic feelings for men, and it kind of seems like Jason is not in that category because I think he does genuinely like Marshall, yeah. and I think that he does have some affection for Marshall. But I also don't know how many other dudes he would have that kind of relationship with. Like, it is the kind of thing where... It's hard to know. It, I, and I exactly. Know. Again, these characters are 14... Or this character is 16 years old, you know? It's... And I think he's written to be in a very confusing, chaotic place, especially given where, you know, what his family background is. Yeah. So it's I mean it's valid for him to not know in a way maybe we don't know what his sexuality is going to be in 10 years you know if when he's in his 20s he may be you know fully bisexual whatever you know continuity continuum you want to say on that he could have just been into the you know made out with Marshall and maybe one other dude and decided okay not for me but you know or he may just you know he made out with girls because that was the societal expectation you know there is I guess there is no way of knowing it is yeah. true. I think I think you know at the end of the day though uh, to kind of move away from this plot line and and kind of wrap up this conversation is that what I really like about the Jason and Marshall storyline all throughout this season and, and and even in these two episodes is that you know again it is a a you know it's it's a portrayal of a of a gay teen that is not predicated on coming out drama yeah it's not predicated on Marshall coming to terms with his sexuality it's not he's predicated not bullied on any, for his sexuality he's not bullied for his sexuality uh, you know his his little you know fifties housewife friend at school seems to know he's <laughs> gay. There's no element. There, you know, this is not a standard gay yes. teen storyline, and that's why I like it so much. And it also what it also comes down to is that you know it, whatever Jason's situation is, Jason is really only important in as much as it tells yeah. us something about where Marshall is. And the fact that Marshall is able to get a storyline like this, I think says yeah. a lot about where the show is treating him and how the show is treating him as a character. And I think that is it is very important that Jason treats Marshall ex- as kindly as he possibly can through the entirety of the thing. Yes, yes there's, it, the, it, there's the situation with T, but beyond that, it's not, you know... Uh, it's, it's a 35 year old woman. Uh, I mean, uh, essentially T is sexually assaulting Jason. I mean, exactly. Let's not put too fine a point on it, but you know, no matter what, you know, and you know, yeah, yes, it is true. You know, legally she, you know, she, it's all on her. That said, any complicity that Jason may have in that again, he is due to, he's, he's young. He's, you know, he's dealing with a lot, a lot of stuff. He's, he made a bad call. Like that right. it was it was a mistake. We also understand why he wasn't better at that moment in time. It, but I think but I but think, I guess Well I, it is it is important to to I think it is important to your point that, that Jason is never mean to, to Marshall. He doesn't because start again, bullying him, he doesn't you know that yeah. Could, yeah, that could fall into a very sort of cliched 
yeah. trope that would not be interesting. And I think that's really what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, it's that, not like Jason the next morning writes fag on his locker or something <laughs> like that. He That would have been horrible. No, no, I know, but like, I mean it would have been horrible, but it also would have been dramatically horrible. Yeah, what he basically does is, you know, tell Marshall, look, I can't deal with this, but you're a great person and I'm sorry and you know he and that's, I mean, that's kind of why I think at the end of the day that, that you know, Marshall's going to be okay. I mean, I've yes. seen the show before. You've seen the show before. You know, we, even we, if we hadn't seen the show before, this is not, you know. But I think Jason's going to be okay, too. I yeah. mean, I think Jason's probably going to go away to college and, you know, he might, you know, sleep with a few guys. I mean, you know, that Again, might happen. The, you know, the one, the one, the one time we see his father, which is, you know, the episode where he's talking to Marshall and eventually. You know, it turns out he, you know, you haven't accepted Jesus. You know, he seems fairly kind and nice and, yeah. you know, what you want a youth pastor to be. He seems like a good guy. He isn't, you know, sending Jason away to a pray away the gay camp or anything like right. that. He's, right. You know, he, he out of. Which is even more remarkable for being in Kansas. Of course. Um, those places are absolutely fucking horrible. Um, but, you know, y- you get the sense that the conversation that Jason had where he told his father everything that he's dealing with was not he wasn't yelled at it wasn't screaming right right they dealt with the you know they dealt with his emotions well he probably you know probably he and his dad helped come up with the script that he told marshall you know to all right well you can't just leave this guy you know you need to you know if you're not at a point where you want to deal with this if this he's leading you wrong but you can't be cruel you know all of those things like i i think as you said he's gonna be okay i think he is Doing all right. Yeah, I think so. And I, Marshall's going to be all right. I mean, he had his first crush and didn't end very well. But, you know, whose first crushes do end well? <laughs> exactly. Nobody's really. Well, it's as it's as Max pr- predicts when, you know, Jason, you know, when, when Marshall tells him, you know, young love, it's going to hurt. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of love, let's talk about Charmaine and, and her little. <laughs> Nick Curly environmental lawyer. Yeah, him. With the miracle fruit. He's and- exactly what I wanted him to be. Like, he has no personality whatsoever, and he's exactly the type of person who would end up with Charmaine, but she wants Neil and is lost in popcorn. Wouldn't you? I mean, I I would rather date Nick Hurley, environmental lawyer, but... Exactly. I mean, you know, Neil seems okay, too. But I like that Nick Hurley, environmental lawyer. Like, we're not going to see him much longer it's not it well that's pretty obvious i don't think there's anybody watching it that thinks that he is actually going to stick around but he seems like a genuine guy you know there number one there is he he makes that gaffe where he you know says to marshall oh girl trouble you know it's actually a guy thing and but then he's like you know he's a little embarrassed for making the mistake but you know runs with it and is fine he seems like he genuinely likes sharp like he seems like he seems like a nice guy he seems like a nice person well he he he's he's helping his girlfriend's nephew and niece he's entertaining him by feeding them miracle fruit like that's that's a nice thing to do yeah and i think that you know kind of the 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 sad scene of the heartbreaking scene in the episode is 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 that same scene where Nick Hurley, environmental lawyer, mm-hmm. and uh, Marshall are in the kitchen, and, and Marshall's talking about Jason. Is that you know he's saying, oh well, you know when you when it's real, you'll know. Like yeah. you, well, you and our aunt, and you know you and our yeah. aunt, and you know Charmaine is there, and she backs up because she knows that that's not how she feels about the situation, and you know Charmaine is an okay person enough to realize that she is a little bit well, feeling embarrassed or feeling guilty well, about this, but. I guess, you know, there, this is a moment of Charmaine starting to grow up slightly, too. I mean, 
pre-surgery Charmaine certainly would have, you know, a guy who is as much of a catch as, you know, Nick Hurley, environmental lawyer is, you know, who scores as many points, who's interested in her. Again, this is a woman who seems to think that having sex with someone you don't want to have sex with is not really a big deal. She right. has, she has sub- subliminated a lot of her own personality and desires for guys just so that she can, you know— Get you know she can get into a relationship with him. She has that with this guy at this point. And instead of feeling like, all right, I've won, let's get into a bad marriage with him, she's realizing, no, actually, what I do want is this other guy. Right, right. And it, it kind. I mean, I guess my question is like, does it come out of nowhere? I mean, because they do establish it fairly late in the season. Uh, you know, they don't reveal that Neil and Charmaine have had sex before, had some sort of relationship before, I think until like episode eight or something. It's fairly late. Yeah. You know, and then Neil hasn't really been much of a presence in the season no. aside from a few brief episodes, a, a few brief scenes early on, you know, you know, whether or not we'll see more of Neil. I mean, you and I know that I'm not going to reveal that to the audience, but it is the kind of thing where it's obviously more important for perhaps what it's setting up for the future yes. than for what's going on screen now. And, you know, of course, a lot of the season has been about identity. A lot of the season has been about um, um, how you feel in your own body, especially. And, of course, Charmaine feeling more comfortable in her own body yes. is kind of indicating that her identity is coming out a little bit more, which is kind of fitting with the themes of the season as well. Well, one of the things I appreciate is that before she gets the surgery, she's saying, you know, oh, I have these misshapen breasts. I need to get them taken care of and then I'll be fine and that's all That's all I need. And while we haven't seen her completely be a different character, it has definitely shifted. Uh, and in a way, the surgery was what she needed to just give her that boost. Yeah, sure. Ways. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see – where Charmaine goes in the second season and where that Neil thing goes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think that really what it comes down to is that, you know, all of the characters, I mean, Kate disappears at the end of of the second episode and we don't see her again until they go bowling. Yeah. But, you know, the first episode is all about uh, uh, Charmaine taking care of the kids with with, uh, Nick Hurley, environmental lawyer. (laughs) And, you know, then Neil, of course, drops by and, Sure, he's there to watch Lost. Why not? Yeah, I, why Why is he there? Did she invite him? Did he just stop by? It, it's, it doesn't appear that they're too surprised to see him. In my head canon, Neil just does that sometimes. That's Maybe he watches Lost with, with everybody every yeah. week. Yeah, that could be what he does. It was uh, 2008. We did think it was a good show at that point. It was actually point. 2011. Oh, then we had no excuse. Yeah, we had no excuse. Um, but yeah, and I think that, you know, the first episode is all about these characters kind of like being off on their own and dealing with this own stuff. And then, of course, the second episode is about them coming back together again to some degree. Now, I guess at the end, I mean, the thing we haven't talked about is Max in these two episodes. And number one, I'm a little confused as to is he staying there as well? What's going on with him? He seems to be staying there, but he's staying at a hotel how can they afford this? There are some yeah. questions about this. He doesn't really seem to want to be there, but he wants to support Tara. I mean, I think the only one real... Well, he could be also... She is staying there for two full weeks, so maybe he is staying there Monday and Tuesday, or like Friday and Monday, and then... I don't know. It sounded like he was there the whole two weeks. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not that important, but I think that you know the one... I think the one thing that I did not like about these two episodes is... 
when he walks out on her. And that is not something that I think, I mean, he's obviously very frustrated and he's tired of this, but it also, the episode makes it out to be much more of a big deal than I think it actually is. Hmm. And, you know, it's almost left to us like, oh, Max just left her, you know, and it's not really that. Yeah. And it's like the one false emotional note in the episode that I don't think is really sold very well. Fair enough. What do we think about this doctor? Because we've talked about Dr. Ocean and now we have – I mean this is the, this is basically one of the, the treatment facilities that – Yeah. That Tara needed to quote-unquote graduate into and you know we – this is an entire two-week program for somebody who all day deals with trauma recovery and who has dealt with many patients with disassociative identity disorder who's gotten a few of them into integration who has legitimately helped people again given that – he seems pretty genuine. It seems like he's good at what he does. He seems to care about them. He's giving his own recommendation but also letting Tara guide the process because yeah. he, do- he does say, I don't think this is a really good time to meet with him, but this is your decision and you know, I- I'll provide the – I do – I mean I think that that generally – I mean I don't want to talk a lot about you know, is he a good psychologist yes, or whatever, course. but I think that really what it comes down to is that – in general, the purpose of psychoanalysis is not to tell you what to do, but it's to make sure that you're in an emotionally, yeah. mentally healthy place. That when you do make decisions, they're they're good decisions. You're to okay give you with the proper that. tools, to give you the proper context for those right. decisions. And to... I think that's where his admonishment of Tara meeting with Trip is coming from, because I think that he's oh yeah, he's like all right, you know what? You're... And it isn't. I think admonishment is a fairly strong word. I I, I yeah, fair. I think he particular. Certainly, when she brings up the cons- the idea of tr- meeting with Trip, I'm sure he immediately said, "Yes, this is a very good idea. I think you will need to. This is a thing that bothers you. It's a hole in your memory. It's something that you. It's a conversation you want to have. Right. I'll be happy to. Maybe you might want to wait till you've stabilized for a couple of months before meeting him. And she says, "No, I'd rather do this right away. This is hanging over my head." It doesn't seem like – number one, it doesn't seem like he's fighting her too much on that. He does seem to trust her own understanding. This is a, per, a woman who has been in and out of therapy for a while and kind of knows how it runs. Yeah, yeah. I mean this is not her first rodeo. It, we, yeah, we were talked uh, – this episode we find out she was actually hospitalized for a while in uh, – around the time of the Trip Johansson incident. Yeah, and well, that's where, you know, that's where the first episode, Snow, takes its name because there's this whole nice little uh, monologue that Tara gives oh, yeah. where she's talking about how much she was looking forward to summer and it was, you know, the, the, the winter and or the spring, I guess. And, you know, and then suddenly it was six months later and it was snowing. And so the implication is that, like, she lost six months yeah. that was not there before. And she didn't really know what was going on. It was gone in the blink of an eye. You know, where was she? Who was she? I mean, that's kind of an open question at this point. Was she T? Was she someone else? Was she just catatonic? We don't know. And, you know, it is a sad situation because, yes, the doctor is telling her that that he doesn't think it's a good idea, but he is letting her direct herself to some degree because I think that he realizes that, it's not it's not that Tara when she is herself is is really like mentally in distress. I mean no. she seems like a fairly well adjusted person as much as you could be in these yes. situations. But 
it is the it is kind of the thing where it's not really that her decision making capabilities are impinged in any way, and so that's kind of why he goes. You know what? You want to do this? You can and, do this. And let's also face it: she does transition a bit. It does turn out to be a different conversation than they expected, but she does eventually come back to herself, and she's okay. It's not like this. This would. If I, I think if this doctor right. felt that this would induce a complete psychological breakdown, he may have more stridently, uh, you know, objected. But. Yeah, yeah. And, I, you know, and, and maybe finally, you know, maybe, yeah, you... maybe he wanted to wait till she was at 90 and she's only at 60 right now. But, you know, it's not like she's at 40. No, she's 35. Ah. <laughs> well, and, and finally, maybe before I wrap this episode up is um, I, I did want to talk a little bit about the, the dual group therapy sessions because max is getting absolutely nothing out of it yeah and i think that his you know again we didn't talk too much about max and we almost immediately moved on to another topic frankly because i don't think max's storyline in these two episodes is all that interesting and he doesn't really have a purpose really except to be a a, you know a topic of conversation or perhaps a a, a, you know stumbling blocks or, or, or roadblock for tara but you know he isn't really on board with this he doesn't really want to be there um i think that he's not well, this is he's, some. He's he's so used to being having to run ahead of this that he doesn't realize how this is affecting him. Well, there's a few things, and this is a nice callback to Doctor Ocean. How upset you know he got pretty upset when Doctor Ocean suggested he see a therapist. Yeah, Max, I think is somebody who doesn't really look inwards very often because he's not very good at handling the look inwards, and so. This is going to be something that will come up more as the series goes on, but there has been a lot of suggestion that Max views Tara as his big life project. That fixing Tara is the goal of Max's life because, frankly, that means he doesn't have to deal with his own shit if he's got this, if, you know, dealing with his. So, and, and frankly, that's one of the points of the therapy session he's talking about. Tara, and then one of the other patients says, no, you, you can't talk about right, them. We right. need to talk about you and how you're feeling about this. And that's when he gets very pissed off about the therapy. He's fine with therapy as an option to tell everything about his wife to be a safe space to. But once he, you get his feelings and what he's actually dealing with and, you know, it's the point of his therapy isn't, all right, what did your wife, you know, what happened to your wife? How did she get this way? It's when your wife transitions, how do you feel about that? And he doesn't want to deal with how he feels about that. There's going to be plenty of guilt from that. Remember that when they were having trouble having sex and how, you know, fucked up he got about that? Yeah. That's one fairly minor situation and the guilt that he must feel every day about anytime he's a little annoyed that he has to deal with the fallout from T or that Alice is there when he wants to talk to Tara, you know, how, how does he mitigate that feeling of wanting to be supportive, wanting to help her understanding that she is sick and that she doesn't have control over that at the same time. And this, I mean, this is the entire family's challenge. How do they love their mother and still understand that their life is thrown into chaos because of her? Right, right. And I think that's where the episode ends and that's where the season ends. Yeah. And I think it is nice. And it's something that the show does fully admit. There is not an easy answer. There's not an easy answer for it. This is not a show that really tracks easy answers. And I think that, you know, yes, it is nice that Marshall goes and visits her and it is nice that he uh, forgives her, you know, and, and she is very appreciative of that. And again, it's also 
you know, nice and also a little bit simplistic to think that they can all just go bowling and be happy. Well, but I, I, and but then again, it isn't because they are having a good time. Yeah. So you know, it, it, that's what it really comes down to. Is like I think there is a such, there is a question of living day to day. Yeah, at the end of the day, they mm-hmm. can when when they are able to be a family, just the four of them, and he and Buck aren't around. They kind of need to take that moment and enjoy each other's company while right. they can, because right. no matter at the, you know the ed, the end of the episode ends in a rare moment where there nobody has any particular angst about any particular subject, and they're able to table their various problems for the evening, and they can just have fun. Yeah, that's a nice place to leave it. I think. Yeah. Good season. Great season. Looking forward to season two. Very good season, which we will tell you about in <gasps> just a minute. What are we going to talk about in the meantime? If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at tuninginshow.com. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash trekaboutshow. Trekabout is also our other podcast uh, where we're actually going to be releasing uh, the season six finale of Deep Space Nine wow. next week on Tuesday, uh, which is going to be covering the episodes The Sound of Her Voice and Tears of the Prophets. <gasps> and also, if you... Give us $5 a month or more on the Patreon. You will get our patron specials every month. One episode that we do every month just for people that give us $5 a month or more. What we do is we talk about and gossip about everybody who does not give us $5 a month or more. So if you want to be in the cool kids club. That's exactly right. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or on all those places. Tuning in show. And as always, please leave a positive iTunes review for tuning in. It is the best way for new people to find the show. Next week, we're starting the second season of United States of Terra. And I don't know why I keep saying it's 2011. You're saying it's 2008. It's actually 2009. Second second season was 2010. It's 2016 right now. Oh, God. Uh, we're going to be talking, and I'm actually kind of happy about this. The the episode titles are extremely in the first season are extremely sort of nondescript and boring, and they're all they're one, one word. word that's intended to be evocative. And we're supposed to be like, wow. Tara says, "I'm not expecting a miracle." Nick Hurley, environmental lawyer, has them eat miracle fruit. I mean, we can track the, ex- you know, and it's just like God. Uh, they they kind of dropped that after this after the first season. Although you wouldn't know that from the first episode, which is called Yes. Oh, but on. the second episode is called Tr- No. Yeah, no. We're talking about Yes and Trouble Junction. So we'll see you then. Mac, why do you?